0: It has stood the test of time. God's book, the Bible, still relevant in today's complex world. It is written, sharing messages of hope around the world.
1: Questions with no answer just leaves us disappointed. Questions without answer is kind of like apple pie without ice cream. It just leaves us wanting more. But we've been in the midst of a series beyond questions because the reason we need to go beyond questions is we need that answer, especially when it comes to the great questions of life, the questions that affect our eternal life. We've talked about what it means to really live. What's the true meaning of life? Can we trust the Bible? Questions. And we've been able to provide answers. And when I say we, I'm thankful to again be joined by John Bradshaw, Speaker Director of It Is Written International. Thank you for coming today, John. Chris, thanks
2: for having me. It's always a joy to be here. Thank you.
1: You know, we've been spending time here over the past several weeks, and I'm just thankful that you've been able to come here to Canada and share with us some of the teachings, some of your experience of Bible teaching. You know, we've been asking this question. We've been saying we need to go beyond the questions. We need to find answers. Sure. And it's been a great thing for us to do together. Two ministries that are tied at our very roots, birthed out of the principle of wanting to spread the good news of Jesus. Two organizations that share the same name, operate in in different places and operate to different contexts, but with one common goal. And that is to help people find the real meaning, real purpose in life in Jesus. And so we've been exploring. We we started our journey by talking about your own personal story of of finding that purpose. And then we saw that you found purpose in the scriptures. And we asked the question, are, are are the scriptures really reliable? What are the odds that this book that claims so much is true? And we found that it is true. And we looked at prophecy after prophecy where God says, hey, you can test me, test me because I know the end from the beginning. So test to see if I'm telling the truth. And we've seen over and over again. And where that leads us, it leads us on a journey to find Jesus. Jesus who promises a new and abundant life. And last week we talked about, okay, okay. So we take it that the Bible is true. We take it that God has a plan. We take it that Jesus is the Messiah. So what does it mean to really follow Jesus?
2: Mm-hmm. Good question.
1: And, and, and we explored briefly, but we did explore the idea, what does it mean to truly follow Jesus? And we went to that passage in Acts chapter 2, where the crowd asks Peter the question, what, what do we do? And then Peter responds, repent and be baptized. And then he says, for the remission... Of sins. So let's start there, John. Why do we need this remission of sins? Or maybe we'd even ask, what does it mean that we have this remission of sins? What is that all about?
2: Isn't it amazing that God treats the very people who killed his son by taking away their sins? see sin leads to death for the reason that as Isaiah the prophet said sin separates us from God. Yes. God is where life is uh, just like not breathing leads you to death. Uh, you got to breathe to live. We must be connected to God in order to live. Sin breaks that connection and we die physically but we, we, we die spiritually which is far more important. Sin is, sin is the terminal illness that's killing all of us. Through faith in Jesus who died for our sins our sin is taken away, was placed on Him. We receive freedom where once we had a condemnation, God takes away our sin that we might have life. See, the, the, one of the great questions Christianity answers is, what are you going to do with your sin?
0: Mm-hmm.
2: Not all religions deal with that. There's a sin problem. What do you do about your unregenerate heart? Christianity has the answer. Jesus died for your sins. God will create in you a clean heart, renew a right spirit within you.
1: And so maybe we start there, because some might be saying, okay, well, what is even sin? And, and we don't want to take a lengthy time on that, but I mean, in simple terms, John, what, what is sin? Well,
2: I think of a, a definition in the Bible that says, whatever is not of faith is sin. And that's, that's a little abstract, but you know, we get that. 1 John 3, verse 4, John wrote, sin is the transgression of the law. I know there are some who say sin is missing the mark. I've heard that. Sure. And that's fine. I'm not going to say that's wrong. But John was real clear. Some translations say sin is lawlessness. Yes. Sin is, it's the breaking of, breaking God's law is sin. Okay. But Paul put it around the other way in Romans chapter 4 where he says, where there is no law, there's no transgression. I, I've driven on the Autobahn. Uh-huh. Well, I hope no one will think it blasphemy, but I've often called it one of God's great gifts to the human, <laughs> human race, the Autobahn in Germany. And uh, I remember driving along there in a poor old Toyota—not uh, Toyota, a v- Volkswagen van. We were we were getting about 105 miles an hour out of this thing. What's it? 170 kilometers an hour. Sure. Flat, f- full speed downhill. Shoo, these two black cars went by, one was a Mercedes Benz, one was an Audi. Chris, they had to have been doing 170 miles an hour. That's uh, a lot of kilometers an hour. <laughs> an right. awful lot. Now, if they did that on, on a highway in Vancouver or Ottawa or Regina, Saskatchewan, uh, that'd be the last time they drove for a while. Yes. Because there's laws against that, right? That's right. That's right. But on the Autobahn in certain places, you can drive that speed and it's okay. There's no law, so there's no transgression. Now, you and I can do this and that and the other. It's okay in the sight of God, but... When the law forbids certain things, that's right. to go against that is, is transgression of the law. Now, when we have Christ living His life in us, He guides us in the right path. But left to ourselves, you know, water just runs downhill and, and that's what we do. And we find ourselves in, in sin situations way too easily.
1: And so, in summary, sin is living outside of God's will. God yep. has set up a standard. And that standard is not because sometimes we think of standard, we, we automatically think of the word rule, mm-hmm. and then we think of, well, rules are made to be broken. But God has set up a standard that isn't restrictive, but actually is freeing because it allows us to live life in the abundance that God has for oh, us. Oh, yeah.
2: Yeah. If the wages of sin is death, God says, no, no, wait, wait, I've got a better way. Look, you can live this way. You don't, you don't have to you don't have to end up in the ditch, you know, or in the sewer, the swamp. You can live this wonderful, free, beautiful, happy, peaceful life. Follow this. It's my, it, God's not saying, hey, you better follow this or else. You can look at it like that if you want, but that's not God's intent. God says, here, walk this way. It's the, it's the way of liberty and safety and blessing and freedom. Jesus said, I came to give them life more abundantly.
1: That's right. And so we have this, but when we live a life without Jesus, we come to the point where we decide we are going to follow Jesus. And so Jesus says, okay, you need to repent, be baptized for the remission of sin. And that word remission can be translated in a number of different ways, but it gives the idea of forgiveness. You know, I think of a Bible character who we often esteem very, very highly, and I think we ought to, but King David. Oh, yeah. King David uh, is called a man after God's own heart. But on King David's rise to power, we find King David in a precarious situation. David
2: was a man after God's own heart, all right, until he wasn't. Yes. Uh, now, now he was again later, but boy, he wandered in the wilderness for a while. And you look at David's, David's experience. You know, he's walking on the rooftops one night, he looks down, he should have been looking up. He spent some time looking up because he was able to say the heavens declare the glory of God. Yes. So he, he, he spent a lot of time looking up. But this night he looked down. No harm. He saw Bathsheba bathing. Still no harm. I mean, he could have just said, Oh, pardon me, and walked off. Yes. But he didn't do that. And before this thing was over, he'd taken another man's wife. He'd had the man killed. A baby was born who lived a few days and lots of his life. David ended up being a terrible father. He had a dysfunctional family. Towards the end of his life, he numbered the kingdom and 70,000 people died. This, honestly...
1: In between his good moments, he was a bit of a train wreck at times. And so we see this David. Mm-hmm. How can he be called a man after God's own heart? There's a psalm that David authored that gives this reflection of the idea because undoubtedly guilty of murder, yep. guilty of adultery, sure. guilty of disobedience, Yes. and the list goes the on. The list goes on. But somehow he finds in God's eye to be called a man after God's own heart. Psalm 51, authored by David, talks about this experience of forgiveness.
2: I think it's important to, to, to take that moment and consider what kind of man David was. Because there's a little David in all of us. Yes. Maybe a lot of David in some of us. And David needed Forgiveness and so do we. David needed restoration, so did we. He needed remission, so do we, you see. And so while I'm happy to, to uh, throw David under the bus,
1: uh-huh.
2: uh, I mean, I do that because, because that's us. As hopeless as David was, we are, yes. you know, without, without God. Yes. David knew what to do, though. You see, there was a king who came before David. We remember Saul as being a total wreck. I would say, if you put Saul's sins on one side of the scales and David's sins on the other, David's probably outweigh Saul. Sure, but Saul never came to the place where David did. David returned to God. He cried out in Psalm fifty-one. He said, "Have mercy upon me, O God, according to your loving kindness." Now, right away, we find something remarkable. If you come to God and you repent of your sins and you ask for forgiveness, you want to turn away from them. What hope do you have? You have broken God's law, you have transgressed, you've sinned against Him, you've shamed yourself, and so forth. David knew where to start. Have mercy upon me, O God. Lord, I, I don't bring anything to this thing where I can bargain with You. I'm just pleading with You. You are merciful, show me mercy. That's the place to start with God, knowing that He is a merciful God, not a tyrant, not a condemning God. The only time God condemns, like uh, uh, really, I think, is when he ratifies our, com- uh, our decision to condemn ourselves by not going to him. That's right. Jesus said, the problem with you all is that you will not come to me that you might have life. That's the problem.
1: And so, David, in this state, knowing he has no bargaining chips, knowing that he has, because rightful, and, and you've quoted this text now a number of times, Romans six twenty-three. The wages of sin is death. And, you know, sometimes, John, when, when we talk about sin, even in the Christian community, we kind of go, oops, Oh, it's and, and we yeah, actually right. don't even like the word mis- uh, sin. Sometimes we, we want to use the word mistake, misstep, because sin carries with it a connotation. Romans 6.23 says the wages of sin is death. And if we make it a very simple math formula, sin equals death. Sin brings about death. Death. Yes, it does. And so David in this state of a, a, a litany of sins comes to God where God by legal and just rights could, for lack of a better word, could eliminate David. Absolutely. The wages of sin is death. David deserved death. And he- all David can do is cry out for mercy. Yeah. And so mercy is this un. Merited favor that God would see. Because notice, he says, have mercy according to your loving kindness, according to the multitude of your tender mercies. So notice, David came assured, you are merciful. I know something about
2: you, God, and that is that you have loving kindness and that your tender mercies are, are multitudinous. And what an incredible thing. So he came to God knowing who he was coming to. He didn't come to God the tyrant, he didn't come to God the austere judge. He came to a merciful God. See, when we come to God, we must know that's who we come to, a merciful God willing to forgive.
1: You know, and I don't know if you've ever had this experience, but you, you know, you're talking about the Autobahn. And so it seems that you, and, and your eye goes up there and, and you were talking to me about a rental car you had before. Some of us like to drive a little faster than maybe we ought to drive. Mm, so I've heard. And, uh, and uh, you know, I don't know if you've had this experience. I had this experience one time where I was guilty. I, I was speeding. I knew I was speeding. I was in a hurry and the police officer said son you need to slow down and he gave me my license and he did not give me a ticket rightfully justfully he could have given me a ticket but in mercy i didn't deserve that in mercy he allowed me to not be held responsible for that let me share something with you not long
2: ago i had a similar experience Honest to goodness, I did not see the sign. I was coming into a town the back roads. I was following a GPS. I didn't know where I was. I was hoping, you know, I was driving a fast car. It was a rental car that went fast. I was not driving it fast. It wasn't, but I was exceeding the speed limit. I didn't know that. I didn't know that. I see the flashing lights, so I wait with my driver's license ready, and the policeman was a nice fella. Long story short, he came back and he said, you know, I used to have a cop car. One of these was my cop car. He, and those are the words he used. He said, I know how fast they go. Just be careful. So it's easy to go fast, right? Now, notice what he said. He, he, he was merciful to me when he didn't need to be. But he said, I understand your dilemma. It's the equipment you're using. Yes. See? Yes. I, now, in the 103rd Psalm, God said, uh, David wrote, He knows our frame. He remembers we are dust. God knows the equipment we're using. Yes. He knows we are faulty and He knows we, we, we're, we're struggling down here. Wow. And God says, look, I, I understand. Now, I know that we could do a, a program where we look at justice, but, but, but justice and mercy meet together yes. in heaven's sanctuary, yes. we are told. And God, God doesn't choose to throw the book at us because of this thing called repentance and mercy and forgiveness. And He will say, I get it. I see the struggle you're having. It doesn't make the sin okay. Doesn't. But when we come to God, God is able to say, you know, let's try again. Yes. L- turn your heart over to me again. L- let's see if this time you can give me more of your life so you can succeed where once you failed. David does something also remarkable in Psalm 51. Blot out my transgressions. Verse 2: Wash me thoroughly from my iniquity, cleanse me from my sin. I've done a little uh, work in prisons, you know. It's not uncommon for someone in prison to say, I didn't do it, I was framed. So I'm not saying that of all prisoners. I said it's not uncommon. I made a visit, and and I've had some wonderful experience in in prisons talking to uh, inmates who found Jesus. I visited a fellow on death row. He was waiting to be executed, still is. And this man did the crime, I, and he and he's and he's not trying to say he didn't. Wow. He said to me, "I feel terrible for and I quote my crimes which I have committed." Hmm. He wrote me a letter later. I keep in touch with him, and he said, "Pray for me, but more importantly, pray for the for the families of my victims." Wow. So you see what this man's doing. He has had a conversion experience. I'm not trying to say that. He's not a murderer. He still does some awful things. But he's taking ownership of that. A lot of us, were like, well, you know, I I wouldn't have said those words if Chris hadn't upset me like that. You know, I I wouldn't have taken that $10 if I had a job. We'll find an excuse. David, uh, this man, no excuse. I did it. I'm sorry. I'm guilty. David does the same thing. I can trust you to forgive me of my sin. If we're gonna play games with God about whether we did or didn't, how can God really reform us? Yes. When we're not even being intellectually honest or spiritually honest about this. You can come to God and say, look, I did it. I'm sorry. And that's when God can meet you and say, okay, we can turn this thing around now because you're owning what you did. I acknowledge my transgressions, verse three. My sin is ever before me. AGAINST YOU, YOU ONLY. I HAVE SINNED. HE DOESN'T DOWNPLAY IT. THIS WAS EVIL. I TOOK ANOTHER MAN'S WIFE. I HAD THE MAN KILLED. I LIED ABOUT IT. IT WENT ON AND ON. I JEOPARDIZED THE KINGDOM. I COST THE LIFE OF THE NEWBORN BABY. I DID IT. WHAT DID GOD DO? WHAT DID GOD DO? Uh, I'M GOING I'm TO DROP DOWN HERE. WE CAN COME BACK UP. SURE. BUT IN VERSE 10, CREATE in ME A CLEAN HEART, O oh mm-hmm. GOD and renew a right spirit within me. So make me new, but also make me steadfast. This right spirit, it means a steadfast or a constant spirit. Yes. So don't just forgive me so I can go my way and forget I was ever forgiven. Forgive me so I can go on now not repeating the same mistakes I made before. Oh. And this is amazing. David, who, who, who did these heinous things, Lord, I admit I was wrong. I HAVE NO EXCUSE. I THROW MYSELF AT YOUR FEET. WOULD YOU PLEASE MAKE ME NEW? WHAT DID GOD DO? LATER ON IN THE BOOK OF ACTS, yes. uh, LUKE WRITES AND REFERS TO DAVID AS BEING A MAN AFTER GOD'S OWN HEART. Yes. NOW HE COULD HAVE, AND I KNOW I'M TAKING THIS EVER SO SLIGHTLY OUT OF CONTEXT, BUT HE COULD HAVE REFERRED TO DAVID THE ADULTERER OR DAVID THE FORGIVEN MURDERER OR DAVID THE FAULTY KING. Yes. But he's able to reach back beyond David's sin to the time God called David a man after God's own heart because David's repentance was genuine. Yes. C- can you imagine that? With all that sin on his record, the Bible was able to still to refer to him again as a man after God's own heart.
1: And that is an amazing thing. And, and this prayer, he uses these three words, blot, yeah. wash, and cleanse. And that is, you know, and you think about cleaning itself, blotting, you know, you you have something on the carpet and you and you put some kind of cloth to lift it from them to wash. You know, you're getting in there and you're washing it and then to cleanse is that deep cleaning. And then not only does God do it, but as you just said, he creates a new person in David. And a clean heart and a steadfast person. It's as we talked about. IN LAST WEEK'S SHOW, IT'S TRANSFORMATION. It is. FORGIVENESS IS WHERE WE CAST ourselves AT THE FEET OF JESUS, AT THE FEET OF GOD, AND SAY, I HAVE, I HAVE NOTHING TO GIVE, BUT LORD, YOU HAVE EVERYTHING TO GIVE.
2: I WANT TO SHOW YOU JUST ONE MORE THING, TOO. WHAT'S THE, WHAT'S THE, the END RESULT OF THIS? WELL, ONE OF THE END RESULTS, VERSE 13 then I will teach transgressors your ways Mm -hmm. and sinners shall be converted to you. So God, when you make me new, I can reach others for you. David wasn't saying, repent me just for my sake. He was saying, God, I have a work to do to reach others. That's right. That's instructive. Because when God makes you new, now he wants you to go and be his hands and feet and his mouthpiece so that others would be made new as well. David was reformed from the depths of sin because he didn't hide from it. He trusted in a merciful and loving God. And because he had a purpose, I want others to enter into this joy as well.
1: And that is phenomenal because that is true freedom, that for God to lift all of this away. And it is almost as if it never happened, in God's eyes, as if it has never happened. Right. And we're made new people that we can walk with the Lord and that someone might write of us that John was a man after God's own heart. Chris was a man after God's own heart. Beautiful. And as we continue to answer that question, what does it mean to follow Jesus? And what is true freedom? That freedom is found in the forgiveness of God. You know, John, it's hard to believe that we're out of time again. You know, I think we could talk for hours. But here's what I know. There is true freedom in the forgiveness of Christ. Yes, there is. Let's pray about that forgiveness now. Sure. Heavenly Father, we are thankful that you are willing to forgive to the uttermost. So we cast ourselves upon you and beg for mercy, knowing in full assurance that you'll give us that mercy and that, Lord, you would take us from sinner to teacher of others who struggle with sin. We pray for this transformation for each one of us. We pray.
3: His name is Joe, and with It is written's help, he transformed his diet while he was, wait for it, an inmate in Canada's largest prison. Armed not with weapons he might have previously used, but rather with healthy eating information gleaned from our Live Healthy segments, he, like Daniel of Biblical Times, requested that he be able to adopt a more plant-based way of eating. He did not back down in the face of opposition, but rather, citing his right to healthy food, persisted in requesting a change in his diet. As Joe shared his story, I was overwhelmed at how people all over the world are returning to God's ideal for how we should eat. Genesis one is that ideal, God's original plan for us. Certainly, God permitted us to eat animals after the great flood of Noah's day, but that was not His original intention for us. And we have all the research studies that show that returning to a plant-based way of eating is the answer to most of our diseases today. Indeed, people who eat only plant-based foods reduce their risk and rates of conditions such as cancer, heart disease, diabetes, strokes, and more. Ocean Robbins, co-founder of the Food Revolution Network, has this to say about our current way of eating. Our toxic food system is crippling our economy, causing millions of deaths, and causing widespread suffering to a majority of the humans alive today, and it's completely preventable. My friends, there is a distinct correlation between the way we eat and most of the diseases we suffer from. Changing your lifestyle to include more plant-based foods will change your life for the better. For really useful information about eating more healthfully, be sure to visit itiswrittencanada.ca. There you'll find lots of links to really great resources. Be encouraged on your journey to optimal health and be so blessed. I'll see you next time.
1: Beyond Questions What is freedom? Friends, freedom is truly found in a living, active, personal relationship with Jesus, who is more willing to forgive your sins than anything else in the world. All He asks is for you to surrender and ask Him to do it. Would you like to know more about following Jesus? Would you like to know more about true freedom in Him? I want to offer to you today the book, Steps to Christ. It will teach you how to follow him. Here's the information you need to receive today's offer.
0: To request today's offer, just log on to www.ItIsWrittenCanada.ca. That's www.ItIsWrittenCanada.ca and select the TV program tab. For Canadian viewers, the offer will be sent free and postage paid. For viewers outside of Canada, shipping charges will apply. If you prefer, you may call toll-free at 1-888-CALL-IIW. That's 1-888-CALL-IIW. Call anytime. Lines are open 24 hours daily. That's 1-888-CALL-IIW. Or if you wish, you may write to us at It Is Written, Box 2010, Oshawa, Ontario, L1H 7V4. And thank you for your prayer requests and your generous financial support. That's It Is Written, Box 2010, Oshawa, Ontario, L1H 7 v 4
1: John, I was encouraged by today's study as we answer the question, what is freedom? And that freedom is found in the forgiveness of Jesus. God wants everyone to have that
2: freedom. Forgiveness is free. doesn't cost us anything at all because God paid the ultimate price in Jesus Christ.
1: And that is truly encouraging. Yes, it is. John, I'm I'm grateful that you joined me today for the program and I'm looking forward to doing a few more programs with you. Me too. Thanks, Chris. And I'm thankful that you watched the program today. Join me again next week. Until then, remember, it is written, Man shall not live by bread alone but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God.